offside. Azar lurking with intent. Little flick. Alan. Oh, my goodness. This boy is brilliant. What a touch. First time. Bang. That's a goal. Berlin can go home now. It's all over with 15 minutes to play. Alan Haaland is just... <laughs> So there we go. The hype train is still going like full steam ahead. Full oh, steam. And people who did not join the hype train before, like you're still welcome to join. Although it's a little bit too late, but yeah, I guess yeah, the train left the station, motherfuckers. So you have to wait for the next station. I don't think there will be a next station this season. We're just gonna be like. <laughs> Full ahead, three points every game. Champions yeah. League semi-final and DFB Cup winners. That's what we're looking forward to. And what we, from what we're seeing right now from the team, it seems like, well, with a couple of uh, problems here and there, issues with how the team plays right now, I think that we're getting there. What do you think, Ryan? I think, uh, I think there's been a very clear uh, change of... Fate or a very different path that Dortmund has entered since the winter break. Um, everything that was going wrong in the weeks leading up to the winter break has, for the time being at least, kind of disappeared. Uh, not only are we putting together strong performances, but we're putting together complete performances. Um, I think a lot of times, especially at the end of last season and then towards the end of the first half of this season... Dortmund's performances were solid, but they weren't complete and they weren't like whole performances. They were kind of, um, they were, they were basically incomplete performances. You know, there, there'd be times where Dortmund would look like they were by far the better side and then they would finish the game and it's like, well, they didn't really look like they deserved to win that game and they didn't win that game. So they end up getting, you know, one point in a game where they deserved, where they should have been able to get three. But, uh, these past three matches have been, light years away from that Dortmund has looked complete they have looked determined and I think I think it's pretty obvious that adding Holland to the um front lines for the black and yellow has been a huge benefit um whether whether he's scoring goals or just like causing problems for the opposition he's been very very difficult to deal with and I think I think this uh this this hype train is not going to stop anytime soon. I I'm really excited to see how we um, perform against PSG. I think um, I think that's going to be really a lot more reflective of how far we've come since the beginning of the season. So I'm interested to see how that matchup turns out, um, especially because PSG is also obviously a very good team and they have a lot of talent. So if, if Dortmund can can look good against PSG, I think that's going to say a lot about the state of the club and the opportunities that are ahead of the club. And in my opinion, I think the Champions League is still within re within reach. You know, I think I think the Champions League to a certain extent is a little easier to win at this point than the Bundesliga, not because of like it's going to be easier matches, but just because you you don't need necessarily you don't need as much help from you know other teams like like even if Dortmund were to 
to play really well the rest of the season in the Bundesliga. They also need Bayern and uh, Leipzig to slip up at some point. Whereas in the Champions League, if they play their matches well in the Champions League, that's that's enough to get them to the next round and so forth. So, like, I, I mean, if we can do well against PSG in the Champions League, there's no reason we shouldn't do well in the Bundesliga either. And based on how we've played, you know, the past three matches, five, or five goals in each match, we conceded three in the first, uh, one in the second, and then none in the third. I think there is a lot of positives to take with us, and I think there's a lot of momentum. And I think the, I think the squad feels it. I mean, I think when uh, Hakimi was subbed off yesterday during the absolute massacre of Union Berlin, he uh, his frustration that he expressed, he, he like kicked over a water bottle or something. I think that just shows you how much the players are having fun right now because like he was he was very upset that he was taken off the pitch because he's been having so much fun playing and i think um when you're you know when you're in a game like yesterday's game where everyone's just having a blast on dortmund and union berlin is just desperately trying to make it to the final whistle you don't you don't really think about why the manager's taking you off you're just like what the hell why are you taking me off and i think um one thing that hakimi didn't think about is like dortmund has a pretty pretty tough stretch of games over the next couple weeks and Lucy and Favre needs to make sure that all of our players are healthy and prepared and I think Hakimi is one of those players that we really can't afford to lose to an injury and so when Lucy and Favre pulled him I think it was more so a uh, preventative measure than a statement about Hakimi's performance and I, even when Royce came out yesterday, he you could tell he was upset too. Like, nobody wanted to stop playing in that game. Everyone was having fun. And, like, typically you don't like to see players, like, visibly frustrated when they leave the pitch. But I think it was I think it was a good sign yesterday. It was a sign that, like, the guys want to be out there. They want to have fun, you know. There's there's more than – they're not just playing the game. They're enjoying the game, and they're, they're emotionally invested in the game. And if they can channel their emotions properly, there's a lot of good things they can do. Yeah, that's true. Like you can compare it in contrast to the to the games where we sucked and all the players are like, oh my God, I just want to disappear. I don't want to play anymore. And even players who were like subbed on in these games were like, oh my God, why are you, why are you putting me out there in this massacre? I just, I don't want to be there. So that's what happens is that whenever we have like good games, players want to be, want to stay there, want to play. But when we have bad games, people are like, oh, no, pull me out of here. Like, I just want to take a shower and go home and sleep. That's what happens with almost everything in life, like for us as well as you. But it's completely normal. Now, um, like we have like some players who are clearly in like appearing to be monsters right now, such as Haaland and Jaden Sancho who are like on the top of their form. Jaden Sancho, who scored 12 goals and provided 12 assists so far in the Bundesliga, which is a very good number. Like, it's, it's impressive for the player. And Haaland, who is actually in seven goals, if I'm not mistaken. And let me check that very quick. But I think it's seven goals. Yeah, seven goals in three matches. three games. That's like more that is than a record. goals a game. Yeah. yeah, that's like cool stuff. But... When we like, if, if like that, that's that's the hype. You you know that's like yeah. Oh, we that... have this player and he scores this amount of goals, and he's like, oh my god, yeah yeah yeah. But we sort of neglect some of the players who are like behind the scenes, 
And what I mean by these players is uh, Mats Hummels. I think I think you've got a great point there. Mats Hummels, after you mentioned Sancho and uh, Holland, I was going to see if you went on to talk about Hummels at all because I think Hummels is another player for Dortmund who has been absolutely on top form lately. I think he tweeted out the other day, you know, uh, these two these two guys are playing at a ridiculous level right now. And then it was a picture of him, Sancho, and Holland. And then he clarified and said, I mean Sancho and Holland. And I think it's important that we recognize that Hummels has been absolutely out of his mind lately as well. You know, um, I'm thinking specifically about a couple critical passes he made, yep. not yesterday, but last weekend and the weekend yeah. before. He, um, I mean, he has been an absolute rock at the back for Dortmund since the break. And I think now that he's got all these like talented strikers playing in front of him that he can kind of just send it to, like he doesn't really have, like when he clears the ball forward, like he just kind of, he kind of knows that if he puts it somewhere in a little bit of space that either Royce, Sancho, Holland, uh, Brandt, Hazard, you know, one of them is going to find it before an opponent. So he just, he looks for those guys and he, he, he kind of just like ignores whatever's going on directly in front of him and looks for the like the quickest way to find the, to get the ball to Dortmund's playmakers up front. And he, from there, they work their magic. But like, I think the the uh, kind of the consistency and the uh, the quality of his passing is very underrated. I don't think there are many passers, especially playing in. Uh, central back positions, not only in the Bundesliga, but in Europe, who can make the passes with the accuracy and consistency that Hummels has been making them. I mean, yep. he is like, like, like you, you don't get as much attention as a defender when your team is scoring, you know, five goals a game. But I think there's a lot to be said for the role that Hummels has played in, in, in like orchestrating those goals. Like he is, he's more than just a very solid defender. He, he's kind of like the, uh, the the guy at the back who where the the attack starts like the, the he doesn't finish the attack and he's not the one you know dancing around in the box and creating space but the the ball doesn't make it to the box if Hummel's like breakout passes are inaccurate or or like out of bounds and stuff like that like he he's you've got to be like at the top of your game not only physically but mentally to be able to like pick out passes for Royce and Sancho and Holland when they're like that far up the field or up the pitch. And he does that very well. And I think that's something that a lot of um, opponents are going to start to pick up on and start to try and like counter. But if until they can counter it, like Hummels is just, he is like, he's making them look silly, to be honest. Like he is just making it so easy for players like Sancho, Holland and Royce to just like destroy the back lines of other defenses. So like, I think I think it's important that we recognize the work that he's doing, and there's also something to be said as well for his defending. Like, you don't uh, like a goalie loves a clean sheet, but a lot of times people don't think about how how the defense also love a clean sheet because, like, a goalie can can manage a clean sheet on his own. Like, if there's no defense and he just plays outrageous, like if Berkey just makes ridiculous acrobatic saves for 90 minutes even though his def his defenders are not doing their jobs then like you can still get a clean sheet that way but Dorman is getting clean sheets because Berkey is barely half ha has to do any work like he he was barely even challenged against um Union Berlin and then the previous week he he had to make a couple saves and there were there was one goal that like you you would kind of wish that didn't happen but like for the most part Berkey's been doing his job and when Berkey does his job 
and Mads Hummels and the other defenders do their job, it's going to produce some clean sheets. And if we're going to continue to score five goals a game, those clean sheets are going to matter down the stretch, especially in the goal differential. I believe up until like two, two, two matches ago, Dortmund's goal differential was not very good. Right now, Dortmund is plus 28 on goal differential. Bayern is the only team with a better goal differential at plus 35, and they're in first place. But I think if uh, Dortmund continues to play their way that they're playing, that the, the gap between Dortmund and Bayern in terms of goal differential is going to shrink dramatically. Leipzig also has a 28 um, difference in goals, but I think um, I think Dortmund ha- like Dortmund getting there recently and getting there so quickly after being closer to Munch and Gladbach at 15 a couple weeks ago. I think that tells you like the way this team is trending, and ideally, you know, you want to ride the trends. You wanna you wanna follow that momentum and just carry it with you. Like don't let it die. And Holland is making it a lot easier to ride that train than it was before, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, what you said about Mats Hobbles is very accurate. And I say, I saw a video about him on the Bundesliga channel where they compared him to a, a Bundesliga quarterback, like to the way quarterbacks play in uh, American football. I think the that's the way he passes these these the way yeah he he like provides these long range passes that are so accurate that pick like Marco Royce as we said and he has for to the moment he has like three assists for a center back three assists is pretty uh, pretty unusual and impressive at the same time yeah but does that doesn't mean that he like neglects uh, his work at the back he still plays solidly and he like he's still very impressive the Mads Hummels we are used to yeah uh, like those those assists are coming from the back too it's not like he's you know playing in the box on the attack like he yeah. he's, he's not playing up the pitch very very often he'll be up there you know for corners because of his ability with his head and his his acrobatics in the air but like he's he most of his passes are from the very back like he's not He's not running up the pitch like Hakimi or Scholes would on the wing. He is like just sending it. It's, it's, it's genuinely a full send for lack of a better term. And I think yeah. the quarterback comparison is fantastic. I think uh, it's also a very timely comparison. You know, tonight is the Super Bowl for American football. So it's a big oh. night for American uh, sports fans. And um, I'm sure at, like in Europe, there's decent popularity with the Super Bowl and across the world as well. But um. I, I like I think about who, the quarterbacks that are playing there tonight, specifically Patrick Mahomes, and like in my mind, uh, Matt Hummels dropping beautiful passes for Marco Royce reminds me of like Patrick Mahomes hitting Tariq Hill on a on a streak down the sideline with like a dime pass. Which like if you don't watch American football, whatever I just said probably made no sense. But if you do watch <laughs> American football, like I really hope you can appreciate like that comparison. But regardless, like I do, I think that is a great comparison, especially for like any American football fans who also happen to enjoy watching Dortmund. Like it's the, the he really is like the quarterback of the team, if that for lack of a better term, I guess. Yeah. Yep. And speaking of players who are very like underrated, and because this is this is this seems to be like the underrated players episode. Yeah. And one of them is Thorgan Hazard. He has nine assists so far and four goals in the Bundesliga. He started 
15 games and made 9 appearances and his game has been very vital in in some of the hardest moments this season he played a, such a huge role in like providing that that additional you know that additional um for that additional energy to the front line of Borussia Dortmund oh yeah and i think a, a lot of times you know, if you watch hockey at all, or whether you're like in European hockey or um, American hockey, Canadian hockey, it's all very similar. The uh, In hockey, the player who passes to the player who passes to the goal scorer also gets credit for an assist. And I think a lot of times Hazard, Hazard has played that role for Dortmund. You know, he's, he's when he's not making the assist on his own, a lot of times he's the pass to the guy who makes the assist. And that's not a stat that necessarily gets tracked as frequently in football. So that's something that you don't see, you know, in his assist column. And also, too, when when Jaden Sancho has like 12, I think you said 12 assists, if I'm not mistaken. It, like people forget. Yes. Yeah. People people forget about like who else is making assists. Like if Jaden Sancho has 12 assists, you know, Hummels has three. And then you've also got Hazard, who's got nine, like. That's already like a lot of assists right there. Dortmund has scored 58 goals this season, or not, I'm sorry, not 58, 56 goals this season, which is good for second most in the Bundesliga. And if you think about it, the 12 assists, the nine assists, I'm sure Royce is up there somewhere. I want to say Royce has around seven, six or seven assists. I think Brandt is right in there around five or six. Like those start to pile up and a large portion of Dortmund's goals are assisted goals. And I think that's a testament to kind of like the way the chemistry has developed. Like, I think yesterday only one goal was unassisted for Dortmund, and I believe that would have been the PK. And, I mean, there's not much you can do about that. Like, a PK is never going to have an assist. But when you're scoring yeah. five goals in a game and four of them are assisted, you're not just play Like, you're not relying on one player to do all the work. You're playing team football, and you're, you're playing... Like the you're playing pure football at that point. Like that's the way the game is meant to be played. You know, beautiful passing, um, pinpoint passing accuracy, and like quality passing right around goal. That's that's kind of like when you when when I think about like the best teams to have ever played, or when I think about like watching some of the best teams to have ever played, I think about like their passing before I think about their scoring because they use their passing to create their scoring. They don't they don't rely on their scoring alone or their finishing alone they they let their passing do the hard work and then they score the easy goals in front of goal and i think like like holland it's weird for me to watch holland because like he doesn't even have to have an easy goal he just has to be like near the goal and if he sees the goal like there's a very good chance he's going to put the ball in the back of the net i i I know heading into yesterday's game he had five goals on six shots and the only reason he wasn't six for six is because one of his shots in the match against, I think it was last weekend's match. I'm not positive. It might have been his first match. But either way, like one of his shots was deflected, and I, I think if it wasn't deflected, it was going in. Like he he knows how to place the ball into the back of the net, but like he also hits it. He kicks it so hard, like it doesn't really matter if he doesn't place it perfectly because even when goalies are getting touches on his shots, they're still going in. Like it's. It's that type of stuff. Like, he he he's an outlier in the whole idea of like you. The passing is what's creating the chances because like he doesn't need to get a pass in a great goal scoring area to find the back of the net with it. Like he'll he'll give players assists by scoring from really bizarre positions. And I think 
that kind of is like just an extra boost for the team. But for the most yeah. part, a lot of Dortmund's goals are coming from great passing that set up very easy goals. And, you know, like, obviously everyone enjoys watching some of the more difficult and beautiful, like, stunning goals. But, like, there's some, I think there's something to be said for watching a team score very, like, simple goals and the passing that creates it, you know? Yeah, that I 100% agree with that. Well, let's come back real quick to Sogan Hazard because we have some interesting stats about him. Like, he is doing way better than his older brother, of course, Aiden Hazard, who is very known. Like, okay, let's compare them this season. Aiden Hazard is in Real Madrid right now. He played eight games. He scored one goal and provided three assists. And Thorgan is in Dortmund, of course, 19 games, four goals and nine assists. And his goal participation ratio is 23%, while Eden Hazard's goal participation issue is, uh, uh, ratio is 10% only. And we're talking only about La Liga. In, in the Champions League, I think Hazard has more... Okay, Champions League, nothing for now, but in the Bundesliga, it's like, it's like, it's very, it's very, very impressive. I think that, um, let's see, how did he do, like, last year when he played for, oh, we're gonna check, like, the stats real quick to see how did he do with uh, Gladbach, because I think, I think this year it's going better for him, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, last year it was 10 goals and 12 assists for the whole season for Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think it's going to be that record if he like continues playing this 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 way. But when you when you spoke about Haaland and the way he like scores his goals, I completely agree and the Fox Sports uh, commentator yesterday said that Haaland only knows one thing, how to put the square thing in the rectangular thing. And that made me laugh because I want, I want, like, from one point of view, that makes Haaland so- sound like a retard or something. But uh, another point of view, I'm like, I, I, I'd have a retard all day who scores the way Haaland scores. Like, then have a player who has, like, complete, like, he's complete, like, brain uh, activity, like, on and he doesn't do anything. And speaking also of strikers, we saw the departure of our beloved Spaniard, uh, Paco Alcacer, who left the team this week to play for Villarreal FC in Spain. And for that player, he, he like won or he uh, made himself into our, into my heart, like at least, or into the Borussia Dortmund community's heart in a very short time the way like his humbleness his his work ethic his like the, the way he is very like scum- focused on his game and he made some he like he had last year he had a very good season he played a very good season very impressive one this year he wasn't that much like lucky but I mean, uh, as we said before, I am not against that change for him. It's like he deserves more time to play. Obviously, with has with with Haaland's arrival, arrival, he's gonna get less and less. 
so I think in my opinion yeah it's it's a good decision to let him go and like let him score goals the, the way he knows how in another like big league team yeah no I, I would agree I think I mean obviously like it, it kind of hurts to see uh, Paco leave but at the same time I don't think that we were gonna be able to see Paco in the form or in the with in the uh, with the involvement and the uh, uh, consistency that we saw him last year when we first uh, when he first transferred to Dortmund. I it's kind of like it's a bittersweet thing for me. I think it's a, a fitting way for his career at Dortmund to come to a close. I think um, I think it's good that both like that both Dortmund and Paco like ended this mutually it wasn't like like the, i feel like this could have been his departure could have been a lot more dramatic than it was and i think dortmund giving him the agency to find a new club if he wanted and without like limiting where he went i think that was respectable and i think paco like to his credit and to his point he de- he does deserve a like a better opportunity and a, a more playing time than perhaps he would get at dortmund and like I don't think necessarily that he couldn't earn some playing, some more playing time with Dortmund. But I think with the, with the way Holland has been playing, <clears throat> excuse me, with the way Holland has been playing, and with the way like Holland has an impact out on the pitch, like sometimes you you can't really like you can't compete with that when you're trying to like fight for a start a role in the starting eleven. Like there, like there's not there's nothing Paco can really do to like change how he plays or change what he does to make him like fill the role the same way Holland does. And I, and I, I don't want to make that sound like a diss against Paco because like we know he is a very talented goal scorer and a very gifted striker, but there's just something about the, the team lineup or like the team chemistry that seems better with Holland. And I don't think it's necessarily related to like Paco's attitude or anything. Cause I think Paco's attitude is a very respectable attitude and I think he takes his work I mean he takes his work very seriously he's very passionate and he cares about the team so like I think I think for this is the best solution for both sides you know Dortmund they they're going to miss Paco um at some point you know but I don't think losing Paco especially with the addition of Holland necessarily like hurts them and I don't think Paco is going to I think Paco gets a better opportunity with um Villarreal so I think I think both sides got the got a good end of the deal uh with this with the way this turned out you know it could have been it could have been a lot more dramatic and it could have been a lot more painful for both sides so I think um as much as it's sad to see him leave I think it's it's like I think it's a happy way for it to happen if that makes sense yeah of course 100% I agree with that and he is starting, he is playing right now as we speak. He is starting in uh, Villarreal's game uh, against Osasuna uh, this this evening. So, yeah, we wish Paco all the luck in the world. We also, uh, there's one player who left as well. He is Brun Larsen, one of the youngsters who were like, who had like a huge potential for to play for Borussia Dortmund, but somehow with the players like uh, Sancho and Hazard and Royce being in their like in their best shape, he didn't get much play time, so he was let go as well. 
for 9 million to play for uh, Hoffenheim. So 9 million for uh, for uh, Brun Lassen and I guess 26 million for Paco, which is not that bad. 23 million for Paco Alcacer. And that's cool. That's good. Uh, but we had a newcomer, which is Emery Chan, coming from Juventus. And he, this player, like, the way we're going to deploy this player is very... Like, he, he can play in so many different positions. He can play like a center back, and he can play like a defensive midfielder. Yeah. He, uh, <clears throat> he brings... Honestly, like... Like, the way I, I see it is Dortmund know that their attack is, like, really well-rounded now, and they know that they've got their attack figured out until someone figures out how to, like, stop Holland, which I, I will say, to Union Berlin's credit, they did their best to stop Holland yesterday. They tried to, like, put him in the ground a little bit. They were a little more physical with him, but, like, obviously that didn't work very well because he is quite a large kid. Like, he's 19 years old. He's... He's four years younger than me, and he's, like, four inches, I think, taller than me, five inches taller than me, and he's also, like, quite a bit heavier and stronger than me, and that, to me, is, like, crazy. To watch a kid who's younger than me that is, like, significantly larger and more athletic than me, like, they they tried to bully him, and it just didn't work. Like, he, and I think also, too, specifically with regards to the penalty kick that he drew yesterday, like, I don't know, like... I don't know if many other players have, like, the physical presence that he has, but then he he really, like, used his, like, technical abilities, which aren't necessarily his strongest abilities, to, to, to like, draw the peak, to, to, uh, excuse me, to draw the penalty kick, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he was, uh, the, the goalkeeper came out to challenge him, and, like, he did something that I would expect to see, like, Jaden Sancho or Marco Royce do, and he took a very clever touch to the side, but he took it very, like, subtly, and that's what drew the penalty kick. And I think, I think like when you think about a big player, usually a big player just tries to like body himself up with a goalkeeper or a defender that's trying to play physical. But Holland has like the technical awareness and the technical ability, I guess, to to turn like a physical battle into just a PK. Like he knows he knows when to pick his physical battles, and he also like. He knows when he should go down. And it's not like he can just easily go down because when he's a big guy, when you're a big guy like Holland, you can't just go down at the slightest contact and expect to draw a PK because like the the officials know you're a big guy and they know they can tell like if you're faking when you're that big of a dude. Because like if someone the size of like Royce tried to like just tackle uh, Holland, it probably wouldn't do much just because of Holland's size. So Holland like picks his moments very well when he choo- when he does go down. And I think there's like a bit of like that 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 to me is a testament to his game sense, you know. And like kind of going back on the uh, the comment that the Fox commentator made, where it's kind of like the one thing he knows is putting the circle thing in in the rectangular thing, and like how that makes him sound kind of dumb. I think his ability to in his awareness that went into drawing the penalty kick are are an indicator that he knows more than just putting circular objects into rectangular holes. He knows also, he has great game sense. He has great awareness and game intelligence. He knows how to play the game beyond just how to score goals. So like, he he's he's a very well-rounded player. And um, I, I, like, I don't know, dude. There's just so much I could say about him. Yeah, of course. There's so much to talk about. 
And unfortunately, time is not like this is not enough time to discuss all these things. <laughs> right. But of course, we have a Tuesday game in the DFB Cup against no one else but Werder Bremen, who are facing some issues this season, who are who might see relegation or who might fight for their spot this season in the Bundesliga because they are, I think they are uh, 16th, like, I'm going to check this right away. Yes, Yes. they are 16th. Yeah. And they might like, uh, they might like leave the Bundesliga this season. We hope not. Werder Bremen is a great team, but if they do, like, good luck. We are playing them uh, this Tuesday at 8.45 GMT time. And after that, we are traveling to Leverkusen, our neighbors, for the... How do they call it? The derby. Which type of derby is that? There's the Riviera derby, which is the, the, the Schalke Borussia Dortmund. And this one, I don't know the name of this derby. It... Like Bayer Leverkusen, the um, ah, shoot, I'm gonna look this one up now because I wanna I wanna get this one right too. But I because yeah. I know there's the Bruce and Der- Derby, Bruce and Derby with um, Munch and Gladbach. The like you said, the Rivera Derby with Schalke, and obviously El- or Der Klassiker with ba- uh, Bayern, and let's see. Where is Okay, where is it? Nah, apparently it doesn't have a name. I don't know. I thought it has a name, like but it's okay, no problems. So we are playing them on Saturday and it's gonna be a very, very important game for Borussia Dortmund because if we win this game and and by the way, we are three points away from from Bayern as of now we are third in the Bundesliga just behind uh, two points behind uh, RB Leipzig who are playing Bayern next weekend so if we win this game we have a big chance of at least being second and this is very good because after that we will have pretty pretty interesting fixture like ahead of us, we will have Eintracht Frankfurt, we will have PSG, Bremen as well, and Freiburg. So this is our opportunity to shine for next weekend. Yeah, so this is it. Is there anything else you want to add, Ryan? Um, I mean, I'm pretty excited to see what's next for Dortmund. You know, they're, they're the hottest team in Germany right now. I know I was looking at the table and... Dortmund have won their last three. They've won three of their last five, and they only have one loss in their last five league matches. And that's good enough to pretty much stand as the best in their last five across the Bundesliga, with the exception of Bayern, who have finally gotten their shit together. They have won all five of their last matches. And, I mean, that's kind of what you would expect from Bayern. That's more so the Bayern that people expect to see. And that's the Bayern that is now on top of the Bundesliga. So with only three points between Dortmund and Bayern at this moment, with both teams playing some of the best football they've played all year, I think we're in for a very, very exciting uh, conclusion to this season. 
if both teams can maintain their form. And I'm excited for the uh, the next installment of Der Klassiker because I think uh, I think that will have serious, very serious title implications for both teams. And uh, I'm sure Leipzig and Mönchengladbach will equally be, will be equally as interested in the match as we are. And um, I mean, shoot, even even Leverkusen is uh, is trying to make them make a comeback for themselves. But outside of that, that is all I think I've got. So we will wrap this podcast up with that. We look forward to the match on Tuesday. Hopefully we'll get another big win for the squad. See if we can continue our stretch of five goals a game. And thank you guys for tuning in. We will catch you next time. And I guess East Liebe, I'm going to really try and get better at my German while I'm working on this podcast for you guys. But Till next time, go Dortmund. Let's see if the black and yellow can keep up their impressive run of form.